0: For probably the better part of 10 years, I've taken numerous attempts at working for myself. There's been some very successful ventures I've been involved in, and there's been a lot of lessons learned, and it's just part of the process.
1: Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thanjan, so let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. I wanted to personally invite our listeners to our Summer Solstice Party, which is on Thursday, June 20th from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Hudson Hall in Jersey City, New Jersey. We'll be celebrating the Summer Solstice, which is the longest period of daylight, and our Solar Maverick Podcast, which is one of the most popular podcasts for solar energy. I'm also one of the co-owners of the event venue, which is Hudson Hall, which is a Czech beer garden smokehouse. The cost to attend the event is $10 and light food will be served. You could learn more information about the Summer Solstice Party on the Renew Energy website, which is R-ENergy.com. Again, it's reneuenergy, R-E-N-E-U energycom We look forward to meeting our listeners and Lee Wang, who's one of the co-hosts of the podcast and some of our guests, We'll be there and we look forward to seeing you there. We really appreciate your support of the Solar Maverick podcast. Thank you. Hi, this is Benoit, your host for the Solar Maverick podcast. I'm excited to have on the podcast Dominic Madinelli. We've known each other. Actually, it's crazy, Dominic. Now I think about it, it's been nine to 10 years that we've known each other and time flies by. And I'm excited to have him. We used to work at a company called Vanguard Energy Partners, which is a national installer that's built maybe over 100 megawatts worth of projects. I was always actually impressed with Dominic. When I worked at Vanguard with his knowledge, he's an electrician, has a lot of experience with installing solar, and he was always able to kind of simplify the complicated things about installing a system. So I'm really excited to have him on the podcast. He's one of the principals of pro-circuit electrical contracting. They were established in 2011. They're an electrical contractor focused in commercial industrial electric, renewable energy installations. They primarily work in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Florida. I know they've done other states. And I'm excited because Dominic wants to actually start it out with the safety statement. And if you could start out that and then we could go more into your background. I'm very excited to really get your perspective and I appreciate your time on the podcast today.
0: Great. Thanks, Benoit. I appreciate the intro. Excited to get going on this for sure. I've been talking about it for a little bit. So yeah, I wanted to... Really kind of start this off with new policy that we're adopting here at Pro Circuit, And we feel it's very important and wanted to take a moment with a good, solid platform here to really spread it out a little and hope that it catches on. And what we're doing is every meeting, every get-together we have, we're starting with a safety topic. And to some people listening, it may be a familiar thing. You may be used to it with certain customers, but we're really hoping that it catches on and everybody kind of adopts this. So really the safety topic for today we want to start with is just the concept of safety topics at the beginning of meetings. Just to set the stage and lay it out there that it is a very good idea, regardless of what the content of the meeting is. We try to keep it relevant to the discussion. If we're having a meeting about a pre-construction meeting or setting up a job site, we may talk about heavy equipment or trucks. There's a lot of resources to get safety topics every day. Sometimes it can seem a little difficult to find enough topics to talk about, but there are a lot of resources out there. If you go on the internet, just Google a lot of different stuff you can look at. But really what it does is it gives an opportunity for people who may otherwise feel uncomfortable presenting a safety hazard. And it gives them an opportunity not to just present it, but almost an expectation to take matters into your own hands and speak up if there's something that you're uncomfortable with. And something that we see, especially in solar installations is a lot of hazards that are a little unique compared to other construction industries where you've got a combination of high voltage, electrical shock hazard, fall restraint, a lot of stuff like that. Simple oversight can lead to death really quickly. And the most important thing in every solar installation and every project that we're on is that everybody gets to come home safely. And if we can't do that, then we ain't doing (laughs) it. And that's hands down. So not to like get into anything too crazy here, but definitely want to just throw it out there and hope that even if one company can adopt this policy that maybe doesn't do it right now, can prevent an accident already, we're a tremendous success here. Keep that in mind and thanks again for
1: coming in. That's great to know. I think safety hazards, one of the big things that you mentioned is like always wearing a harness when you're on the roof because obviously there are people who have fallen off roofs, making sure obviously to wear a helmet as a kind of outsider who does go on roofs yep. and looks at solar potential solar fields that's definitely like a great thing and to have a safety sort of thing as the first part of the meeting
0: yeah yeah and we try to make standard practice on all sites it's always going to be proper work attire we're always hard hats high vis, safety sure. vests there's a lot of different rules depending on the layout of the roof and how far away the work area is but it's always the start of the day review the work that's getting done and make sure that everybody is clear on all the safety hazards, proper PPE, and that everybody gets to go home safe no matter what. That's first and foremost.
1: Definitely. Dominic and I have actually haven't seen each other in a while. It's been uh, almost since SPI, Solar Power International in Las yes. Vegas. So it's been two and a half years. It's crazy how time goes on. We were actually hanging out at a rooftop for a Solar Power International reception event and having drinks. So It's good to see Dominic and hear how successful your company has been. I knew that when you went on your own that you would be very successful and I'm excited to actually see that. It would be great to learn more about Pro Circuit and what you guys do. Obviously, I gave a very sort of high level background, and also what made you start your own company, and a little bit about what got you interested in solar energy to begin with. And I know you do other work outside of solar as well, so I think it would be helpful to talk about the other services that you guys provide at Pro Circuit.
0: Absolutely. Well. Yes. Yeah, so Pro Circuit actually was founded in 2011 by my partner Josh Neerman. Unfortunately, couldn't be here today with some scheduling conflicts. But he really set the foundation for everything the company is today. And we've been, aside from being close friends for over a decade, I mean, we've always kind of worked together informally and different ventures. And really what happened is uh, a couple of years ago, the stars aligned and it was kind of inevitable that this thing had to happen where we teamed up and Full partnership and kind of just been taken off ever since. One of the things that I think about when we look back at how Pro Circuit got started with yes. uh, myself and Josh is actually there is a couple lines from actually Steve Schwert is where <laughs> it's actually where where it comes back to it. I forget yeah. the conversation how we really got into sure. it, but we were talking about business and business partners and kind of what. Good guidelines for choosing who you do business with. And I remember Steve told me he's like, there's three requirements that he would have or that he's heard of being yeah. you know, absolutely necessary. And the first one is having a proven track record of success in whatever it is that you do. The second one is you have to be able to develop business in your trade, be yes. able to, no matter what it is, you've got to be good at developing business. And the third one is you've got to enjoy each other's company, be able to Interesting. You know, go out have a drink, loosen up. You're going to spend a lot of time together and you have to genuinely enjoy each other. And that kind of stuck in my mind. I forget the context of the conversation (laughs) talking to him with Steve, you know, but yeah, no, it definitely stood out. And I think really with Josh and myself, that Mm -hmm. was those three things definitely hit home with both of us and and strengths and weaknesses definitely uh, counterbalanced each other. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of just inevitable that this was going to happen. So, timing was right and we had a great opportunity. We just decided to go for it. Definitely. Haven't looked back.
1: Yeah, that's exciting. And Steve Schword, Dominic and I know very well because he was an outside engineer that used to work with Vanguard Energy Partners. He now has his own company, Schword Consulting. He's actually been on the podcast and he's actually one of our most popular podcast episodes and it's interesting because he's great at summarizing things and actually we've worked on a project together that you referred steve and then steve referred us to help with the Eshrek management yep. and Eshrek brokerage for a residential apartment complex where they put a ground-mounted solar system in new jersey and that's part of the reason actually i mentioned about how we were having a great time in vegas having drinks It's all about people who are honest and transparent, people that you could spend a lot of time with. If you spend a lot of time too with Dominic, he's very passionate about what he does and you'll definitely see that, especially when it comes to electrical engineering and contracting. It was interesting how you talked about how you and Josh partnered together. How is it as partners and what are certain strengths that he has versus what you and the complement of basically the team can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah,
0: we joke around. We do a lot of joking around <laughs> Josh and myself. You know, it makes, makes, keeps things light. The big joke is that I'm good at spreadsheets and Josh is good at everything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, the reality is Josh has got a way of taking extremely complex situations in the field where even some of our best foremen or journeymen will be out sure. there and They'll look at this the drawings, they'll look at the electrical service and say, wait a minute, we're gonna do what here? (laughs) (laughs) And and Josh has a way of going in there and simplifying it and with this get it done attitude and lay the whole thing out there. And next thing you know, it's done. Well, I'm still over here trying to figure out where we're gonna get the best price (laughs) of something. So it's It's really, in a nutshell, it's his field expertise and ability to just get things done combined with some of my strengths being the contract side and the business development side and really kind of the policy that we drive the business with. I mean, it it becomes a, a very, very big force. And we've seen a lot of success by just trusting in each other to take care of what needs to get done.
1: Definitely. That's huge. I mean, that sounds like you guys have complementary skills and the sum of the parts are greater than the whole. And it sounds like you guys are transparent and have a great working relationship. And we look forward to doing a future podcast with both you and Josh and uh, going more into a deeper dive. Can you talk about, I know we talked a little bit about this, but what got you interested in solar energy?
0: Yes, it's actually a a little bit of a somewhat funny story. I was uh, working for an electrical contractor for the better part of 10 years before I got into solar. Through that tenure, I had climbed the ladder, got my New Jersey electrical license, Pennsylvania electrical license. And at one point, he had given me an opportunity to take a class in solar. Uh Uh, We had never done solar at that point with that company. We were really doing commercial, industrial, Electrical installations, new construction, a lot of like super high end residential. Yeah. So I remember looking at him and saying, What do you mean, like those little lights along the walkway that I kick over? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Yeah, I don't know. I don't don't really know it's going to go anywhere. And uh, and then he said it was in Fort Lauderdale. So I Uh immediately said yes. (laughs) We started started packing to go down there. Once we were actually on site at the the class in Fort Lauderdale, There was a gentleman, I think his name was a long time ago now, I think his name was Hal Aronson. Mm -hmm. I think he was either a PhD and over at Berkeley in California, something along those lines. And his whole story was that he was doing a lot of volunteer work with a solar suitcase. I think it was called We Care Solar or something Uh like that. I'm not sure if they're still active or not. But what they would do is they would actually build these solar suitcases and they would kind of sneak them into poverty stricken regions. And they would hook them up for, to power blood banks and refrigeration, oh, wow, that's amazing. orphanages, things like that. Just real, real solid humanitarian work. Sure. And I remember you know, after kind of hearing for an hour or two about this whole thing that they were doing, yeah. just you know, kind of falling in love with it and being amazed that you could actually take this technology and do something so powerful with sure. it. So I really got this impression in the back of my mind that this is how the solar industry is. You know, it's humanitarian work. You know, <laughs> it's all great. And, of course, there's a lot of terrific benefits for the environment sure. and, and all around, but it's not necessarily all humanitarian work. You <laughs> yeah. Know. But, yeah, that's really what kind of got my attention. And from that point forward, I spent the next it was three or four days in the class, and, and yeah. I was just glued to every piece of information I could suck out of it. Sure. Then when we came back to New Jersey, I could tell that my boss at the time was not really into pursuing solar. Yeah. So I uh, I think it was the next day, went through a list of companies. I think it was on like the PA Sunshine Grant website oh, or wow. something like that. And I just started cold calling everyone down the list until I got somebody who would give me an interview. Sure. And actually, the person that answered the phone was Suzanne. Oh, that's (laughs) so funny. That was actually the (laughs) first time I talked to Suzanne and she got me set up for an interview at Vanguard and I didn't even have a position I was looking for. I don't even know they had a position they were (laughs) hiring for, but it just kind of took (laughs) off from there. And I never looked back. I've just fallen in love with this industry and it's been great. It's been a great ride.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's amazing to see how much it's grown. And Dominic's referring to Suzanne Waters, who we both work together at Vanguard Energy Partners. And she actually works for me at Renew Energy. She's the vice president of business development. And she has two episodes that are live right now on the podcast about her solar story and Community Solar 101. And we're working on three other interviews that I told you uh, with Juan who we used yep. to work with, he was estimating at Vanguard Energy Partners, and we're doing a New Jersey and New York solar market. You know, it'd be great to get your perspective of like as an electrical contractor, what are the keys to success behind a great solar installation?
0: The keys to success, if I had to try and nail something down, I think would be just understanding that it takes the entire team to have a great solar installation, all the way from your sales and your business development. The customer obviously has a pretty important role in that, <laughs> you know, and, and all the way you know through everybody working on site, all the way down to the guy sweeping up at the end of the day. Uh-huh. When somebody walks through and looks at a solar job, if there's garbage and scrap material and stuff laying sure. all over the place, it sends a real bad message that people just don't care. So even all the way down to the guy who's picking up garbage at the end of the day, it's unbelievably important that everybody works together. One of the things that we've seen that I think makes a huge difference in the success of a project is basically managing customer and your customer's willingness to be managed. Interesting. People really That's a great idea. Yeah. uh, People really understanding that you're the solar professional. Your customer is the professional in whatever product that they're selling, whatever their business is, but their business is typically not solar. So understanding that you're the professional and you have to own it. You have to manage that and take that responsibility. And when that happens, we see things flow a lot more efficiently out on site. There's always a little bit of a shakeout period. Everyone's getting to know each other on the site. You got the facilities guy and sometimes some third party inspectors and things of that nature. But Once everybody's synced up and moving, it makes a huge difference. And I think that's very, very important.
1: Yeah, And that sounds like it's more of an education process, right? Because for most of these companies, it's their first time installing solar and it's being transparent from the beginning about the process to get everyone on board because it's not just... Obviously you mentioned it's everyone throughout the process, but then the company that you're installing the system as well and the different parties within the company... Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And setting expectations. I mean, that's true too.
1: That's a great point.
0: And again, you know, I can't stress it enough. The safety aspect of these installations again is probably the most important thing. I mean, you can't have a successful project if there's an injury, if there's an accident, something like that happens. So safety absolutely is paramount in a successful operation. And I think beyond that, it's the entire team. The, The design of course has a Huge weight in the success of the project, and really just everybody.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think these are great tidbits that you're providing and perspective. What trends are you seeing in like solar construction or equipment? I know we're continuing to see panel prices going down after initially the tariffs yeah. and the efficiency of panels have continued to improve. What trends are you seeing from an electrical contractor perspective or just any unique perspective? That you have that you're seeing right now in the industry. Yeah,
0: and what's interesting is our position in these projects, we're the electrical contractor, we do mechanical installations as well at times, the right scenarios. We're not buying modules, we're not buying inverters, and we, we make our stance clear with people that we're working for that we're not in competition with them. You know, Definitely. we're we're not here to develop projects and we come across a good lead, we'll look to bring that to the table with the people that keep us moving. But that being said, the equipment selection, oftentimes. By the time we're involved in the project, it's already been done. You know, sure. They've already got modules warehoused. They've got inverters warehoused. We, of course, weigh in as early as possible in these designs to get our opinion out there, but it's not always practical for the project to go exactly. that way. So as far as equipment trends, what we've seen is significant trending within a particular developer's bubble, Interesting. but we don't really see that going outside of there. Yeah. I have not been seeing equipment trends from developer to developer, a project sure. to project. It seems a lot more, I guess, where the money's comfortable with yeah. and where the developer really has their strongest relationships. Sure. The one trend we definitely see is, you know, it looks like uh, also energy. <laughs> 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 definitely uh, everybody's using them. I mean, it probably doesn't hurt that they uh, bought all of their competition. Yeah, <laughs> <but> <laughs> outside of that, yeah. it's really been kind of interesting to see basically the design standards and the construction standards for each individual company, how they're very unique from company to company. And we've had to adapt our crews to understand that this is the way it works with this developer. Definitely. This is not how it works with this developer. You will follow a different set of standards. Sure. And as long as all of them meet our minimum standards, then it's on us to accommodate them
1: you know, as the customer. That's interesting because you're right. Every developer, through whoever their investment party is, has relationships with certain equipment and the way the systems are designed. So that's a pretty interesting perspective. And then if people don't know, also Energy is basically an energy monitoring company. And they've acquired the competition. One of the big companies that they acquired was Locus Energy. So it's been interesting as far as from a monitoring perspective, it seems like they have their legacy clients, but then also new clients from the acquisition. That is pretty interesting. What makes you guys, I know we talked about this a little bit before we spoke, what makes you guys unique from other electrical contractors out there?
0: Yeah, actually, it's a good question. And we feel is really one of our major strong points as a company. We're unique where I don't really feel that we have a lot of competition out there with what we're doing. Our our company, we're definitely focused in solar, grid-connected solar. We maintain consistently around 80% of our projects for the year are commercial industrial solar projects, but we definitely make sure that we're not all in with it. We definitely insist on keeping about 20% or so. I mean, you it fluctuates based on what's out there and what's a good venture, but we try to keep about 20% of our projects outside of solar. And it really helps keep our core guys, it keeps them from getting burned out, doing the same thing day in, day out. There's a lot of different skills that they gain by doing other types of projects. And especially in the CNI world, there's so many different types of buildings and facilities that you're working in. You're working in manufacturing plants, you're working in big box retail, schools, courthouses, libraries. You have to have such a wide range of knowledge about how these different facilities operate And by doing other types of projects, you're able to pick that up a lot quicker. For instance, we just wrapping up a one and a half megawatt combined heat and power project. Interesting. In Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And that project, we went into it definitely a good understanding of what had to happen. But by the time we left that plant, and if you're not familiar with combined heat and power, basically what it is, the giant generator that takes the power and sends it back to the grid, just like a regular solar inverter. Not like a solar inverter, but same same principle. But then the waste heat from the generator is processed and put back into the plant uh-huh. for useful energy in simple sense. Sure. A little oversimplified. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, so anyway, you know, you look at a large manufacturing plant, and if you ever go into an electrical room or a boiler room and it looks like a submarine and there's pipes and panels yeah. and all sorts of stuff and nobody knows what's going on in there for just walking through. Sure. By the end of the project, our foreman on site, Danny, he has such an intimate knowledge and understanding of the inner workings of that plant, where some of the plant maintenance personnel are actually now coming to him about how the motors are operating and VFD drive, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. And these are things that if we just focused purely on solar only, there would be a lot of this information would kind of fall off the plate. And now definitely. when we go into a manufacturing plant and we have this type of project, sure. we'll look at our foreman available to us, who we have looking to staff up for the next job, and we'll choose them accordingly. So if we got a manufacturing plant with a lot of controls and intense things like
1: that. Definitely. You know, we'll
0: choose somebody that just came off of another job of sure. similar nature, and, and it really makes things flow very, very smoothly.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it sounds like, too, it's keeping people challenged, but then you're innovating. Yeah, as well, because you're not doing the same thing every single day or your team as well. I know you mentioned about your electrical foreman, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, especially CHP is so much more complicated than a solar installation. So, I'm sure after doing a lot of solar, to have that 20% in something totally different also keeps guys engaged and, as you mentioned, not burned out. That's pretty cool,
0: absolutely. And because we do that, what ends up happening is we have such a diverse skill set amongst our guys. We take that and then you incorporate it into a solar-focused company. We're able to go after projects. And honestly, it seems we're being more and more recognized as the leading solar electrical installer in New Jersey, particularly. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're able to have large capacity of projects to be simultaneously under construction and have no lack in quality. That's really been our driving force. And to find another local company who's able to take on that kind of a scope and even be able to move outside of just New Jersey. Uh It seems to
1: be kind of rare. Yeah, definitely. That's a huge differentiator. I know in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned what states you're focused on. Is there other states outside of like the New York tri-state area? You mentioned Florida as well. I know you've done stuff in Virginia.
0: We definitely have moved around a little bit. We've dabbled in Massachusetts. We've dabbled in Connecticut, some of the obvious solar states that a lot of projects are in. We've learned... What it takes to keep quality up, and we have a thing where we're just unwilling to sacrifice it even a little bit. Sure. And through this process, we've made the determination that Massachusetts, Connecticut, those are not states for us. You yeah. know, we're not going to just go after everything for the sake of driving up as much overall revenue as we can. It's, it's not not a good decision for our business model. So really, we're focused. New Jersey, of course, that's our number one focus. Yeah. Also, Pennsylvania, New York, like you said, particularly Long Island, got a lot of traction out sure. there. And Florida, there's, there's a lot of opportunity that we see coming through Florida. We're actually basically just got licensed. Everything's set up down there, a little satellite office ready to go. And Hopefully, by uh, this coming winter, instead of having to slow down in the Northeast, <laughs> we'll be sending a lot of our guys down to Florida and, and taking care of some large projects down there. It's yeah. all a matter of timing. And yes. we see that being a huge help too, with kind of running through the January, February slump, sure. in the Northeast, snow and weather, and
1: Definitely. all the
0: challenges. If you've got an avenue to, hit some warm weather and keep your core guys moving strong. We see it as a very good opportunity. Yeah,
1: that's excited. The sunshine state is finally going ahead with solar and we're seeing a lot of development for solar in Florida, which is exciting yeah. to see. The podcast is actually about solar and entrepreneurship. Can you talk about maybe suggestions you would have for people starting their own company?
0: Absolutely. I've learned quite a bit for probably the better part of 10 years have taken numerous attempts at working for myself. There's been some very successful ventures I've been involved in, and there's been a lot of lessons learned and it's just part of the process. And I think just having gone through all of that and finding out what really worked for me, I definitely have a couple things I'd be happy to throw sure. out there. Sure, yeah, definitely. Um, the first and foremost, definitely don't underestimate the power of your own integrity. I mean, your reputation is everything. And if you can't make it by doing the right thing and doing right by all of your business associates, then don't even bother. We've seen that attitude pay back in dividends all the time. I mean, basically just always doing the right thing. It's definitely appreciated by all the right people, and if there's people that don't appreciate what you're doing by having that moral compass, then they're probably better off not doing business with you. That would really be the, the, the first thing that we've seen. Also I would say, keep in mind that with every deal that you cut, depending on what your business is, but to make sure every deal you cut, that both sides are a winner. Definitely. Don't go out there trying to position things so that you gain the upper hand in everything. You're going to find yourself alone <laughs> you know, at, the, at, the, <laughs> yes. at the end of that tunnel. You know? <laughs> Even if you see that there's an opportunity where you think maybe I can really take advantage of a situation, our recommendation is make sure both sides win. Sure. You know, and that's very important as well. Probably the most important thing out of everything is to take care of your employees. Yes. And we've got a culture here where We don't micromanage, but we're heavily involved in everything that goes on. And by giving that flexibility to the right employees, to the people that care, that really is how we're able to branch out and take care of eight, nine projects simultaneously. I mean, it would never be able to happen if we didn't have our guys stepping up, grabbing the reins and doing such a great job. And you have to take care of them because it's very, very hard to find good workers and guys that – really care and are loyal to the
1: company. Definitely. I mean, these are all really great suggestions and I totally agree with all of them. I think we have like a similar sort of values when it comes to having your own business and I think that was really great. Another interesting thing that I was thinking of is Lee Wang, actually Dominic knows really well. He's the director of marketing of Renew Energy and then is the founder of MJ Wang Marketing. When Dominic first joined with Josh at Pro Circuit, I mentioned to Dominic, hey, you should really work with Lee on his website, on the Pro Circuit website. And Lee's a co-host and really kind of pushed the podcast. And he wanted me to say hello because we were working yesterday. He had a great experience working with you. And he kind of said actually the same things that you said. That you were like transparent to the point up front, like he really enjoyed like working with you. So it's interesting that he was saying the same things that you were saying.
0: Yeah, Lee was definitely terrific. I have to say he took the process of revamping our website and instead of just Here's photos that we like and here's what we wanted to say. He kind of spun it back to us more almost like in an interview fashion of, you know, answer these couple of questions for me. Let's see where your business is going and let me see how I can help send that message out through your website. I was very impressed that it was so much more than just a transaction of, here, this is what I'll do for you. And here's your website. Great. Move on. You know, it wasn't anything like that. And he made the whole process just very enjoyable, to be honest with you. If it's something that you know, we really were looking at, definitely got to take care of the website. Okay, yeah. We've got a budget for it. Let's take care of sure. it. He kind of took it from that, and once we got engaged with it, it became actually really kind of like a fun process. Terrific job. Definitely can't speak enough about it.
1: Yeah, he's very passionate about website design and building your digital presence. And if you spend a lot of time with Lee, you'll see that he's very passionate about what he does, which is another important quality, too, in anything in life you should be passionate, especially with the work that you're doing because that's most of your life that you're spending on it where it doesn't feel like work. So, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And now we've added an exciting part of the podcast. It's where I've been asking Dominic questions and he has the opportunity to ask me two questions. This was actually... An idea from Kevin Y. Brown, who's the producer of our podcast. He has a company called Podcast Laundry that helps with the formatting, editing. He has his own podcast as well. If you haven't even checked it out, Create Your Life series. Which I was actually interviewed on one of the episodes. So. Yeah, this is, this is actually a great opportunity. So many questions. So many questions. <laughs> uh, no, so so, so
0: one of the things that I definitely wanted to kind of pick your brain about. Yes. We've been getting a lot of this type of question coming to us. People asking. Sure. I live in Pennsylvania. Josh lives in New Jersey. You know, we're licensed in a number of states. And we're just not doing as much in Pennsylvania as we would like to, and we keep hearing that Pennsylvania is going to crack open soon in the solar industry. It just seems like I've been hearing that for probably two years now, <laughs> yeah. and, and have yet to see like any significant increase in projects really come across. And just kind of wondering if there is anything we could elaborate on to kind of see where Pennsylvania is at now and when hopefully we'll get there, hopefully soon.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Pennsylvania obviously is going to be a great market. There's a couple things that are going on that's been Beneficial for solar. Like they have a community solar pilot that I don't know actually all the details about that I have to read up on, but community solar has been like one of the fastest growing areas of solar. And if they have that, that'll actually allow a lot of development. They also closed the borders with the SRECs in Pennsylvania. So what ended up happening in Pennsylvania was like other states that were surrounded could trade their SRECs into Pennsylvania. And what ended up happening is effectively like the ratepayers of the state of Pennsylvania are actually paying for solar projects outside the state. And what ended up happening was it basically decreased the ESHREC values to basically 8 to 10 to $12 but they basically put in legislation to uh, close the border. And we've seen ESHREC prices go up. So now like ESHREC's are trading at like $45 versus $8. There was actually a time, I don't know if you even remember this, at Vanguard where we were actually looking at Pennsylvania because at that time it was over $100. And then it quickly crashed because of what I talked about. And then the efficiencies of panels and then the efficiencies with the cost of building systems are becoming less and less. So I think you're going to see a lot of development in Pennsylvania as a cash customer, meaning if you own the system, I think... You'll get a decent payback for a commercial industrial project, but to, to do a PPA right now, a power purchase agreement, the economics are tight because uh, the electricity prices in Pennsylvania are not nearly as high as other states in the Northeast. And that's another reason why as well you've seen a lot of development in the Northeast is because of high electricity cost, strong state level incentives. We're looking at Pennsylvania and we hear actually the queues are for utility scale projects. It's pretty, there's a lot of projects already in the queue, but we think it's going to Happen maybe in the near future, a year, two years, three years. The other thing too is um, talk about potentially increasing the demand, meaning the renewable portfolio standard in Pennsylvania. And I think they have some legislation about fifty percent, some sort of renewable energy goal. So once that becomes more clear, I think we're going to see a lot more activity in Pennsylvania. But I think it'll probably be another year. Any customers
0: or anybody who's asking us, you know, <laughs> should I look at solar? In the meantime, I've been basically telling them essentially that. I think you should definitely look at it, definitely start reading up about it. But as far as moving forward with a project, I think you're probably looking like a year or two out before it would make sense. I wouldn't jump into the deep end just yet. That's what our message has been to them, sure. is, is that's a fairly good assessment, you think? In yeah, terms I think of directing that, that, that,
1: that, when you're talking about a commercial industrial yeah. customer, yeah, I think that's definitely a good assessment and takes time. At the end of the day, like what we found is that most commercial industrial customers definitely want to help the environment, but it has to be a suitable financial payback to them for them to do it. So, and as you know, it's a process. It takes a while to get people to educate them to understand it and to move forward. Yeah.
0: No time like the present to start educating (laughs) the customer, you know? So, I guess (laughs) definitely a buddy of good stuff there.
1: Thanks. Oh, anytime.
0: Another question I've been seeing coming up more and more recently, and obviously it's out there in a lot of different discussions, basically talking about the cap and the SRP sure. and basically looking at projects that are kicking off with the weather finally breaking Definitely. up here and a lot of jobs are going to be going into construction. We see this being an extremely busy summer yes, for us and, and running right to the end of the year. But just as we're looking at the end of the year rush, which we're starting to look at now as things are booking up. We're just kind of trying to navigate projects that are already signed in permitting, maybe construction's going to kick off in the next couple of weeks here. Maybe not so much those, but the ones that are actually going to go into construction mid-summer, late summer. What happens to those projects that have that approval for the program? That let's say that they don't get PTO by the time that they hit the cap in the program. What are they looking at in terms of next steps there?
1: That's a great question, Dominic. Dominic's actually talking specifically about the New Jersey solar market. So basically, there's currently like an ESHREC program, which is a solar renewable energy credit, which is a very strong incentive. Basically, currently for energy year 2019, ESHRECs are trading at 225 or 230. It's actually kind of gone up a little bit. But basically once New Jersey hits 5.1% of solar energy for the state, technically that's when the SREC program will sunset. The projects have to be operational, so people are forecasting the fourth quarter of this year or first quarter of next year. So there's a race right now. Where everyone's trying to build these projects as quickly as possible to be in service so that they qualify for the full ESHREC credit. What we're hearing is like the transition program is going to be like a 20% discount, meaning like a 20% discount to the volume of ESHRECs. Let's say you have like 10,000 ESHRECs your project produces, it'll actually only count for 8,000, and that's kind of the transition. And then eventually, They're going to move to some sort of rebate program. These are all sort of conversations we actually haven't seen in legislation, but we're active with two different lobbying groups that we're members of. And we've also helped one of our clients who are like part of the transition committee for New Jersey Governor Murphy. So I think the best thing is, if the projects probably won't finish in that time frame, is to see, is obviously the owners of the projects to look at this 20% discount to the production and see how that impacts the economics because it'll have a substantial impact yeah. to it.
0: Yeah, we're keeping a close eye on new projects and the schedules that are coming in with the contracts where before yeah. it would be great if we could be finished by such and such date and now we're looking at it through a different lens of what happens, what kind of economic hit does the project take if this happens or it falls within that timeline and being True. a little more conscious of Making sure that the schedule has a reasonable expectation for projects that were taken off with. you know. Also making sure that we in particular, but also the other installation companies out there, that they're not just taking as much work as they possibly can with the attitude that we'll figure it out later. Yeah. Because that attitude, I think, is going to have different consequences this year as, you run, as we point. run into capping out that program. It's just something that... We've got a lot of attention to and you're trying to draw a little more attention to it from our customers as well to just make sure that everybody's on the same page. So nobody's kind of running into a brick wall sure. if it hasn't been thought about, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's huge. And that's goes back to your whole point about transparency. You know, maybe other contractors or developers are not being totally transparent to their clients about that. But that's a huge issue. And I don't know, even I'm sure there's like some pressure on the EPC contracts about getting things within a certain time frame because then the economics will change. So I'm sure it's going to be an extremely busy time for you guys now that the weather's nice until like the end of this year and people will try to kind of push.
0: What's your projection on hitting that cap? When would you estimate that would happen?
1: What we've been seeing from our conversations within the industry, everyone's saying fourth quarter of 2019 or first quarter of 2020. But I always feel like it always happens faster just because I'm... Hearing from so many people in the industry that in New Jersey they're trying to build projects as quickly as possible. So I could see it even slipping potentially to like the third quarter of Mm. 2019, meaning earlier. But then I feel like we're probably going to get some more guidance in the near future from the Board of Public Utilities in New Jersey and the Office of Clean Energy so that potentially it won't be this crazy sort of situation. I feel like there should be more of a transition. And I've heard that there have been these sort of discussions.
0: Is there any fear that the program just ends? I I think it seems relatively safe to say that solar in New Jersey is such a great business that that's not going to happen, but just with nothing really in legislation, it's a question that I just can't help but ask.
1: Yeah, so the BPU has done a good job of saying that they're not going to let the New Jersey solar market crash. There's so many jobs now in solar in New Jersey. New Jersey is one of the top 10 states in solar. Governor Murphy has said that he wants to make a commitment to renewables. They're looking at potentially goals of, I think it's 50% by 2045, but I think he's trying to be more aggressive with Mm. the renewable energy goals. So I think people think that there eventually is going to be another program, but they're just not sure how quickly that will happen and really, New Jersey has been a great market for solar. And obviously, the governor and the board of public utilities—they've been saying that's not going to happen. So people are pretty confident.
0: That's great. Yeah, this is this is all great, especially for our company and any sure. any of the installation companies out there that might be listening. We don't really get too much opportunity to talk on this level of the projects. We're so involved in the day-to-day construction and Definitely. you know moving equipment around and that kind of thing, where it's. Definitely nice to have an opportunity to ask some of these questions and get your feedback. It's appreciated.
1: Yeah, anytime. And, you know, I really appreciate Dominic, you being on the podcast. This is an amazing interview. If people want to reach out to you or Pro Circuit, what's the best way that they could reach out to learn more about the company?
0: Definitely check out our website. It's probably the best starting sure. point, thanks to Lee. <laughs> it's it's www.procircuitec.com. And uh, also any information requests, we can be reached at operations at ProCircuitEC.com as well. And we'd love to hear from anybody whose projects or questions or learn about our company or even just to chat about the podcast. It'd be great.
1: Yeah, definitely. And we'll have the information that Dominic provided in the notes of the podcast as well. And this is amazing, and we look forward to doing it soon. And hopefully, you know, the next time it would be great to have both you and Josh. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, I appreciate your time today. And thank you for being on the podcast. I know we've been trying for a while. Yeah, no, glad, glad. <laughs> we made it happen. Thanks a lot, but Great. Don't... Thanks, Dominic. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can.